0: Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content including video archives of this and other past messages at FirstOrlando.com and if you're in the Orlando area be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Why would we study in time, somebody said, "Why? Well, why would we talk about it? Because we don't know for sure what's going to happen." Well, let me explain it this way. Back in the day, when I was a much younger man and um, was kind of my body was cooperating, I looked more like Danny. Okay, um, I never was as short as Danny. When I was <laughs> when I was five years old, I was as tall as Danny. But anyway. <laughs> I ran like Danny runs. I, I ran. I mean, I love to run. And I would look at the Fort Worth and Dallas paper, uh, back when we had papers, uh, and I would look at the paper to find a race every weekend. Uh, drive to Dallas. I ran around Reunion, the ball, you know, on the thing. I mean, I, I ran everywhere I could find a race. Do you know what was the first place I would go when I got to the race site? I, I mean, before registering. First place I'd go. You know where I'd go? I go to the finish line because you know something I knew about the finish line. They had food. (laughs) They had all kinds of food. I was at a race, had Twinkies at the finish line. Man, I love the finish line because you know what? Out there on that race, I'd want to quit. But I remember that finish line. Man, we got Twinkies ahead. We We got watermelon. We got all kinds of stuff, things I never heard of and I would run a better race because I remembered the finish line. Can I just tell you, I don't understand it all. I know a lot about our finish line, and guys, it's an awesome finish line. You can't believe what's ahead. So that's why we're doing it, because I want you to run. I want us to serve, I want us to be faithful because we know what's coming. Now, is there a lot of attention today around end times? Absolutely. Oh my goodness, it's, it's everywhere. Some of it maybe even started back in, how, how many of you were alive? Y2K, you remember that? The world was going to end, Y2K. I remember having a party at our church and some of you might even be preppers. If you're preppers, let me know who you are because I'm going to come to your house when it all goes down. But seriously, it was, a, it was get ready for the end. I, when 9-11 happened, I remember having a big worship event and a prayer service for for those families of those lost. I remember people, the number one question I got was, David, is this the end? Because we had never seen anything like that. And pandemic, during COVID, people would write, David, what does this have to do with the end? Do you think this is a sign that we are moving toward the end? And I just need to tell you, I'll give you an honest confession right now. I've never been good at exegeting a newspaper or exegeting an article. I don't know. I just know what this book teaches. And I think there are places there's a connection, no doubt, but there's still some ambiguity. Now, if you watch many movies, one of the most popular themes in movies right now is zombies. I mean, they're everywhere. And so, there are people who think about the end. Are there be dead people walking around? Will there be an apocalyptic creation like we see in some of the movies? Book of Eli, one of my favorite movies just because of the value of that book that he had. I'm not going to tell you what it was because it'll spoil it if you ever were to see it. But you know what? It looked like something bad had happened and the earth was forever changed. So there's this interest in that kind of apocalyptic look. And so there's fascination on every hand. And and you know, authors have found that writing a book on end times sells a lot. And you make a lot of money. And you know, have you ever seen how many podcasts, how many books, how much is out there about end times? And let me tell you what I've watched and noticed. The more specific the book is, like giving actual dates and times, the more it sells. Because we don't want mystery. We want God to show us exactly, okay, all right, tell me, when is that going to happen? And so, we're in a world that's fascinated with it. But for Christians, there's a, another reason. I mean, I like end-time stuff. I'm, I'm just not caught up in the wonder of it that some have. But I think it's a part of the story, and I think it's something we, we look at. I, I've seen some T-shirts I really like. Let me tell you about one I saw the other day. It said, normal is not coming back, but Jesus is. Now, I like that T-shirt because I agree with it all the way. But there's, there's a lot of this that is just, it's not necessarily where I connect. There's ambiguity in Scripture. Does that bother you? The Scripture doesn't make it clear. I don't care what view you hold. There's ambiguity in the events of the last days. We know the basis of them. We know the general idea, but we don't know times. We don't know exactly how that's going to play out. Now, for some people, that drives them crazy. I mean, some people, they adopt views and they can't tolerate anybody else's view. I've actually known churches to split over it. I remember hearing a guy at a, one of our conventions, the network we're a part of, called Southern Baptist. I remember him preaching one day, and he said, if you don't believe this view, and he happened to be a premillennialist, but a dispensational uh, premillennialist, he said, if you don't believe that, then you don't believe the Bible. Well, I'm sitting there going, no, wait a minute, hold on, buddy. I know some great people that don't exactly believe that. Charles Spurgeon, John Piper. I wouldn't exactly say they don't believe the Bible. But the point is, we sometimes get these views and think, you've got to believe this. No, you don't. Because there's a lot of flexibility. There's a lot of wiggle room. And you know why that may be the case? I'll give you a couple of reasons why. One is, if you were given an assignment, let's just think back to your high school or college days, and you had a paper due on September the 22nd, most of us, what day would we start working on that paper? (laughs) Yeah, the 23rd, there you go. I mean, it, it, we just, that's us, right? So why do you think he's going to give us everything knowing we're just going to mess around until the end? But here's another reason. Dr. Michael Heiser, I, I've started listening to a lot of his podcasts. I'm intrigued with him because he, he has a lot of, does a lot of study on the, on the um, spiritual world. And by that, I don't mean the dynamics of our spiritual uh, lives together. I mean the underworld, the, the the demons and all of that, and I'm just fascinated because he does a really thorough job of dealing with the the biblical side of it. He said he really believes that God did not give clarity because the enemy would know when his day was coming. Now think about that. If there were clarity in the scripture, how many of you believe Satan knows the Bible? Shake your head. Yes, he does. He quoted scripture for Jesus. So he said, maybe God is intentionally leaving that mystery so that the enemy doesn't know. The day is coming. He knows it's coming, just doesn't know when. So for me, we're going to go into this with this sense of, hey, it's okay. We're going to have differing views. I may not hold the one you hold, but that's okay. We're going to all meet at the end, at the finish line, right? We're going to be there. It's, this is not going to be a study of the book of Revelation. A lot of people have gotten confused. Said, hey, I can't wait for that study of Revelation. This is not a study of Revelation. Revelation is an apocalyptic book written by John the disciple when he's banished to an island, and it gives a glimpse of some things about the end, but there is a broader scope of knowledge that I want to consider such as the teaching of Jesus and so we're going to get bigger than just the book of Revelation and I also want you to know I'm not going to give you a date I'm not going to put a time I'm going to put a timeline up but it's not going to have dates I'm not going to do that there have been people all through history that have predicted I lived during a time when a guy predicted that Jesus was coming in 1988 he said he's coming in 1988. and He wrote a book called 88 Reasons Why He's Coming in 1988, September. I bought the book. <laughs> and you know what? 1988 passed. He didn't come. Then he put another book out. 89 Reasons. He's coming in 89. Now, I'm telling you, at some point, we should have figured out, okay, this is not working. I'm not going to give you a date. What I want to give you is a story. An amazing story. Written by God of what he's doing and how he will bring the story to an end. Mary Wiley said, every great story has a great ending. And it's that big picture that I want you to see and understand that this story that we're living has an incredible ending. Paul David Tripp, some of you love to read Paul David Tripp, I do it too. He, he said this, he said, none of us The Bible does not present or permit any of us to live simply in this moment. He says the Bible wants to connect us to a bigger moment, a story, and connect us to a God who has beginnings and endings. And so for me, the beauty of studying this together is that we're going to see ourselves in the story because you're in it and so am I. So here's a glimpse of the story of God's love and what he's doing for mankind, okay? Let's put it up. Oh, that's what I've always wanted right there. I've always wanted to be a weatherman. So we've got basically a low pressure system that is going to be moving into our land. And by the way, this is the end. That's a bad one. Some of you will not make it through this one, okay? I've always wanted to do that. Thank you guys for... Allowing me to have a little moment of fun here. Okay, let's do this. Creation and fall. New heaven and new earth. It all starts in a garden. It all ends in a garden. And everything in between is what he is doing to finish the story. Okay? And you are the reason for every bit of this. There are some big things up here. The cross, that's the life and the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus. Tribulation, there is tribulation coming. Will we be in it or will we not? We'll talk about that later. The reign of Jesus. There will be a period of time, I believe, for a thousand years. Some believe it's not a literal thousand, but it is a period of time where Jesus will reign. And there will be incredible things happen there. And then there will be, before this, a judgment of Satan himself. And I'm so glad I know this part of the story. Somewhere in here before we have to stand before our final judgment, there will be a moment when God looks at Satan and says, go to hell and he has to go. And the gates are locked forever and Satan is done it'll be over. He's banished. Just knowing that gives me encouragement, just knowing that much to know his end is coming. And then after that, we get a new heaven and a new earth. And by the way, there's another garden. Let's start in that garden. Let's go to Revelation 22. Okay. The very last chapter in the Bible, Revelation 22, verse one, then an angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of that tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. And they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more, and they will need no light of the lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Let the people of God say amen. Amen. Now that glimpse is something that is so intriguing to me because it is a picture that we will see. And there will be this river of life and the tree of life. Now watch this. That tree brings healing to the nations. That tree is a life of blessing for all who eat. and It bears fruit each month. So basically there you will be a member of the fruit of the month club. I'm just throwing that out. It bears different kinds of fruit. But watch this. There was a tree of life in the first garden. And something happened. So our story begins a long time ago. We know where it ends. But it begins in a garden as well. When God had created a perfect place. And he placed Adam in this place. And he placed Eve in this place. And they walked with God. I mean, it was perfect. And the enemy came and deceived Adam and Eve. They ate of the tree, not of life. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when they did, everything changed. They looked at one another. They saw they were naked. They had shame. They began to hide from God. They felt there was something between them and God. And all of a sudden, everything changed. And there's this little verse, verse 22 The Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, by the way, there's a dash, that's an interpretive thing. That means it's like it's not a complete sentence. It was interrupted. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out to the garden to eat and to work the ground from which he was taken. And then, you know, the rest of this is that he placed an angel there with a flaming sword so that man could never get back into that garden. So tell me something. Why is the tree of life there? And God said, please don't eat. We can't let man stay in this garden. He'll eat of that tree, too. But when we get to heaven one day, there is the tree of life, and we can have all of it we want. Here's why. If man had eaten of the tree of life there, he would have lived forever in a state of brokenness, in a state of sin, in a state of rebellion, in a state of deception. Think about it. He had already fallen. He had already eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He had rebelled and broken God's heart and so God said I can't let him eat of that tree because that would have locked in man's existence as one separated from the creator forever and ever and God would have nothing to do with it because he loves you too much to let you live that way so what happened he said you got to leave this garden and the good news is that tree's coming back Chick-fil-a is going to be open on Sunday one day it's coming back that tree will be there And the story that is unfolding in this timeline is just simply how we get there and what God is doing. And I'll tell you, He's two things he's doing. He's redeeming his people, and he's restoring home. Okay, remember that. Redeeming his people, restoring home. Redeeming his people, what do you mean? Well, in this garden, separation. Adam and Eve run out of the garden, separated from God. You read the early accounts of Genesis, there was murder, there was sin, it was rampant. Even Noah, the time of Noah, the earth was just filled with unrighteousness. God brings a flood, saves the family of Noah. How long did that last? Not long. Murder came back, sin came back. God sent the prophets. Still a mess. God chose Abraham. I mean, literally before the prophets, he chose Abraham. He chose the Jews. He chose a people, not because they were a special people necessarily. He just said, I want to choose a people through whom I will bring redemption. I will bring a deliverer. I will bring the Messiah. He chose them. And so all of this is a story leading up to this day when in the fullness of time, God sent his son born of a woman. In other words, all of this was in preparation to something that was going to happen when Jesus showed up. That something has to do with the war. A war that was being fought, not with you, but over you. The war was between the enemy Satan and God. And it's not an equal or level playing field. Satan is a created being. But he had rebelled against God. And so all of this is a way for God to defeat the enemy once and for all. And it was the life and the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus that put something in play that was a defeat for Satan and a victory for us. In Colossians... Jesus said, I mean, Paul says Jesus disarmed the rulers. He disarmed them and made public spectacle of them because they were winning the battle. But Jesus said, nope, you're not going to win it. Remember, the battle wasn't with us. The battle was over us. And so Jesus did something at the cross that we could never do. He broke the chains of bondage. He broke the power of the evil in our life and sin and provided a way for us to be saved, a way out. You say, but this is 2,000 years later, and and there's still, why do we still struggle? Because the battle is not over. Yeah, it's already won, but the battle is still going. And Paul said, hey, we're in a battle, and there is a war, and it's not with your brother and sister. It's not with those who voted differently than you. It's not with those who have different opinions than you. It's with a power you can't see. It's this underlying spiritual war that's been going on the whole time from that garden to that garden. And so basically Paul said you need to arm up every day. You need to put on the whole armor of God. And you need to stand in the, in the power of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus already won the victory. And when you stand in his power, you're assured victory. You're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory victory because he has won it and basically jesus according to john said john said he came to destroy the works of the devil and that's exactly what he did so now we have the proclamation of the apostle paul hey thanks be to god who gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ in other words he is redeeming us and the way he's doing it is through his son So let me ask you a question. Have you ever put your faith and trust in Jesus? You may be fighting a battle on your own. You may be trying to fix yourself. You may be trying to make yourself better. You're not going to win that war. You can read all the self-help books you want. You can do everything. That the world tells you to do. But until you realize that it is a battle you can't win, but a battle that's already been won for you. His name is Jesus. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. And that's where you find victory. That's where it comes. That's the beautiful thing about our story. Is God did it. Now, he's also restoring home. He's redeeming us and bringing us to himself. But he's also restoring home. When Adam and Eve sinned, something happened to home it broke everything when you read the account of what happened here all of a sudden there's murder all of a sudden they're they're hiding from everyone and have you ever noticed how early in the bible people lived a long time 900 years but as you move through scripture people don't live as long have you ever wondered where hurricanes came from have you ever wondered where cancer came from Say exactly where it came from. It came from the moment sin entered this world. And sin broke everything and it touched the earth. It scarred the earth. And think about everything that happened to this earth. All of a sudden now we have volcanoes, we have earthquakes, we have storms. Was that a part of God's plan? Is that what he originally wanted in that garden? Nope. And I got some good news. And by the time we get to that garden, it's gone. You'll never have another hurricane season, Florida. Never again. We'll never have to go through the pain of cancer or the pain of death or anything like that. Think about all the things that ceased. I just think for us, it pains me when I read and people blame God. God. Why did God let this hurricane happen? Why did God let that storm happen? Why did God let cancer happen? Why did God let COVID happen? And I just shake my head and said, oh, if you only knew. That was never his plan. That is a direct result of a stubborn man and woman, a stubborn heart, which we all have. But God has a better plan, and it's going to be awesome. But until then, he's going to have to restore home. So do you know what the Bible says that God is doing with creation? Look at this in Romans. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. You got to hang on to that word. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage. And it goes on and talks about it even a little more. So what happened when Adam and Eve fell? It scarred the earth. And so we live in a broken world now. And that brokenness isn't just people. That brokenness is home. It's broken. And what's happening is creation is longing for the day when God brings it all around. And the day he makes everything new again. And so we get a glimpse of this. It's just amazing. We get a glimpse of it in Isaiah. Isaiah said there's a day coming. This is the prophet. He said there's a day coming when the wolf will dwell with the lamb. And the leopard will lie down with the young goat. Now how cool is that? The leopard and the the goat and the wolf is going to dwell with the lamb? They may dwell now, but the lamb's not going to get any sleep for sure. Because it's a dog-eat-dog, if you know what I mean. I mean, it's an animal-kill-animal. Nature's violent now. Watch this. The cow and the bear shall graze. They're not eating meat anymore. They're going to graze and eat straw like the ox. The young, uh, excuse me, graze. Their young lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The nursing child will play over the hole of the cobra. The cobra. I can't wait to play with the cobra. I just think that's going to be so cool. Play with the water mocks. I grew up with them. I'm just going to be so cool. Why? They don't hurt anymore. They don't hurt at all. The nursing child will play over that hole of the cobra, and the weaned child will put his hand on the adder's den. In other words, there will be peace on this earth. There will be peace on this planet. This earth will be restored to what God wanted in the first place. So what I hope you see, Is that when Jesus comes, literally there's this picture in Revelation 21. The one who sits on the throne says, behold, I make all things new. He's going to make everything new. And what he's going to make new is you and where we live. Heaven is not one big choir rehearsal. Go back to the timeline. I, I know when I was a kid and I'd hear people talk about this. And I'd hear people talk about the new heaven and earth. All I could think of was one big choir rehearsal. And that's not heaven to me. That would have been the other place. Heaven is the most beautiful place you've ever seen. And it looks like what you've known here, except without sin. And there is no way we can adequately describe it, what God is going to do when he creates a new heaven and a new earth. Will there be mountains? Yes. Will there be oceans? Yes. The seas will be gone because seas meant darkness and death to them, but still water will be a part of it. Will there be animals? Yes. Will your little dog Fifi be there? I'm going to guess Fifi will be there. I have a place in my mind, in my theology, that pets are in heaven. I only have one pet that, mm mm-mm, not coming to heaven. (laughs) God had something else prepared for that one. But seriously, there's animals. There's incredible stuff. It's not a choir rehearsal. You're not playing a harp the rest of eternity. You're enjoying what God intended you to have in the very first garden. And you will have it in this guard. So it's all new. So what are we supposed to do with that? If that's the finish line, what is, so what? What does it matter today? Well, i will tell you what it matters today. Three words. You'll hear Jesus say it. You'll hear Paul say it. And it's coming up in the weeks to come. By the way, this outline will be the guide for the next few weeks. We're talking about stuff that happened here and here but next week we're going to talk about what are the signs starting with the Jesus that point to that we're in the last days one weekend we'll talk about tribulation then we're going to talk, talk about the reign of Jesus then we're going to talk about that final judgment and those final days so yes we're going to move through this and a lot of questions you have about some of this maybe they'll be answered if you'd like to download this There's a way you can do it, okay? So what you need to do is you need to text the word LAST to 40777. All right, look at that. Text the word LAST to 40777. You'll have a link to download it. I really believe that when he writes his name on our forehead, it'll be 40777. That's going to be the name on every believer. Seriously, we want you to have this timeline because it'll help us as we move through it. So let me give you those three words. Why do we need to talk about this? Number one, be watchful. Be ready. I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many of us in this room think about the last days or all of this? Maybe once a month. Maybe once a week. You see, I just don't know that people think a lot about this, and yet the Bible encourages Christians, be watchful. Be ready. Are you ready? If you're sitting here and and you're listening to this, have you ever come to a place of realizing, you know what? That day's coming. I need Jesus. I think the craziest thing to do would be to talk about this and listen to all this and never Take the step to be ready whenever it happens. Be ready. Trust Jesus. The Bible says, who all who believe in his name, they shall be saved. Call upon him. He will hear you. You can do that, and we can help you with it. You can text us. Text the word CONNECT, 40777, and we'll have someone have a conversation with you. Even today, on your way out to the party in the courtyard, we got folks on either side in the lobbies. They're here for one reason, that is to talk to you about. The second thing is, be faithful. Don't give up. It's going to happen. Don't give up. And don't think, well, it doesn't matter. It does matter. In fact, I think you're going to be shocked. When that moment comes, you're going to think, wow, everything I did for Jesus mattered. It was worth it all. I just think being faithful means things may be bad out there. Things may be messed up. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to do what I can, but I'm not going to give up. I have a hope that is secure. And that's the last one. Be hopeful. It means you're going to be okay. Do you know why Jesus kept telling us to be ready and to be aware? Because he didn't want you to be afraid. He didn't want you to be scared. He didn't want you to wander around going, oh, man, what are we going to do? The economy has gone south, and COVID is coming again, and this is happening, and that's happening. Don't worry. He knows what's happening. And I just need to go ahead and tell you, from everything I understand in the Scripture, this world is not going to get better. It's going to get worse. So what he wants you to do is live with that hope. That no matter how bad, no matter what's happening, it's going to be okay. Do you long for a world where there's no violence? I do. Do you long for a place where there's justice? Nobody is treated with injustice. you long for a place where there's peace? you long for a place where there's love? I mean, all those things. C.S. Lewis once said, The door on which we've been knocking all our lives will at last be opened. And one day we're going to know that world. Let's just be ready and be hopeful. If I could write the story, do you remember the book that Sally Lloyd-Jones wrote? It's basically a book where she took the story of Jesus and she put it into the Jesus Storybook Bible. And this is what she wrote about John and the Revelation in the book of Revelation, the last things. This is how she wrote it for a child. And one day, The disciple John knew heaven was going to come down and mend God's broken world and going to make it our true perfect home once again. And he knew in some mysterious way that it was going to be hard to explain. That everything was going to be more wonderful for once, having been so sad. And he knew that the ending of the story was going to be great. It would make all the sadness and tears and everything seem like just a shadow that is chased away by the morning sun. I'm on my way, Jesus said. I'll be there soon. And John came to the end of his book. But he didn't write the end. Because, of course, that's how stories finish. And this one's not over. Instead, he wrote, Come quickly, Jesus. Which perhaps is really just another way of saying to be continued. The story's not over. You are a part, and so am I. And I'm so thankful. God says, I want you to know what the finish line is like so you will run your race today. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, Be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.